We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am very excited to have Regina Collins on the program today. She is the principal of the Global School at the Florida Virtual School, which means that her whole school is all online and has been for many, many years. It's been there. That school has been there for 23 years. She has 20 years in education and 11 of them have been in virtual education solely. In her role as the Global School Principal, she collaborates with a diverse group of people to work towards the common goal of increasing student achievement and retention in an online setting. She has a way of encouraging students and staff to remain positive and persevere while adapting to change. And that has really tested her these last 13 months. (laughs) She believes partnerships with parents and school districts are essential to enriching the experience at uh, Florida Learning Virtual School, Global School, which is a mouthful to say. And prior to joining FLVS in 2010, she also had the experience teaching at the elementary level 
where she passionately pursued strategies to reach the individual needs of each of her students. Regina, welcome to Transformative Principal. Jethro, thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited to be speaking with you today. Well, I'm excited to talk with you. And uh, we have a little story to kind of set up how this podcast came to be, because I think this is pretty cool. Um, So you actually almost canceled on me just a couple of weeks before we recorded. Why don't you tell people what you were experiencing going through that? Well, uh, I was getting a little bit of nerves and um, just feeling, um, I know there's that term out there called the imposter syndrome, and I was definitely suffering from it. I just kind of got inside my own head and felt like when I listen to your podcast, you have so many amazing, strong leaders, and I learn from them all. And I feel sometimes like I have so much to learn. What could I possibly bring that would be valuable to your listeners? And so I did. I almost backed out on this thinking that I don't know what I have to offer to you. (laughs) Well, I I appreciate you sharing that because everybody experiences that imposter syndrome. And as soon as you sent me that message, I thought oh my goodness, what did Regina find out about me that she doesn't like? And now she doesn't want to do the podcast. And thankfully, to both of our credit, we were able to talk through that in text messages through LinkedIn, but we were able to talk through that and decide to still continue to do this. And I I appreciate that. So here's the other part of that. I actually had you on as part of the How to Be a Transformative Principal monthly webinar series that I've been running this year. And you were actually the first one to be a guest on that. And the reason why I wanted you to be the first guest was because we did that in February, I believe, if I remember correctly, we did that in February. Mm -hmm. And um, that was, you know, lots of schools were still closed. And when I met you in January, I thought, man, I need to get Regina in front of my audience because they, they can really learn a lot from her. And so I wanted to get you out first and I accelerated what I was planning on doing because of you, because you were there, Regina. So here you are thinking you have nothing to give. And here I was on the other side thinking, she's the exact kind of person that I need to be talking to and sharing her story with other people. And I just, I find it amazing that you and I, despite both being successful, we can still struggle with this imposter syndrome. And if I reach out to you to have you as a guest on the podcast, it's because I think you're amazing and you fit the bill, Regina. And so I just appreciate you being here. Well, thank you so much. And I I think it's really important as leaders too, because sometimes we get so involved in wrapping up our teachers and really pumping them up and coaching them. And I had to take a step back and coach myself and reflect on myself and my leadership and you know, I have been doing this. I have been in the virtual environment for close to 11 years. This June will be 11 years. And some things just seem like second nature to me because I've been doing them for quite some time that I felt that I didn't have anything to offer. And so after talking with you a few weeks ago, I really sat down and reflected on the different things that I do that are supportive. And I even got some teachers involved and I asked them there opinion and ask them for some real raw feedback on my leadership style and what might be beneficial to others. 
And thankfully, I have some really good relationships with my teachers, and they provided me with some sound feedback so that we could have some things to talk about today. So I'm excited. Yeah, very good. Well, and and everybody, like I said, deals with that imposter syndrome. That's why I created the mastermind that I talk about on the on the show all the time, so that people can get that support and know that they are not the imposter, that they actually have the skills to do the work that they're doing. And it's easy to forget about that. So today we're going to talk a, a lot about your evaluation model. And um, evaluation is an important part of our work as school leaders. One, it's a way we ensure that we have high quality instruction going on in our school, but it's also a way that we give feedback. It's also a way we build our teachers up. And all too often that appears as a, as a, a to-do list, a check mark to get through something. And I am not going to lie to you, Regina. I have thought that many times myself as a principal and absolutely as a teacher, when the only time the principal would come into my room was when they need to do an evaluation and I just need to put on a dog and pony show, then that was great. And what I actually learned was I didn't even need to put on a dog and pony show. I could just have the kids do something and it would be fine. So anyway, I want to talk about that, but you're unique because you're evaluating all virtually. So none of your teachers are physically mm-hmm. there. You can't walk into mm-hmm. anybody's classroom and see them. So let's talk a little bit about the evaluation cycle in a virtual environment. Sure, sure. So I'm very fortunate um, to work at a school where I can proudly say that I love our evaluation cycle. So I'm going to give you um, some information about it and then kind of dig a little bit deeper here. So our evaluation cycle, it does resemble that of a brick and mortar school. However, I just want to be crystal clear that we did not take an evaluation system from a traditional school setting and force it to fit an online environment. And so at our school, we actually have a role called the organization development manager who oversees the entire evaluation system. And what she does is she will pull together a group of directors, principals, um, and teachers to provide input into what the evaluation should actually measure. And there is a list of standards called the National Standards for Quality Online Teaching. These can be found, if you're not, if any listeners are not familiar, these can be found at nsqol.org. And these standards provide a framework for providing quality online instruction with improved student learning And our evaluation aligns with this list of standards, and it's also approved by our board as well as our state DOE. So to answer your question that you asked, your original question, what does our evaluation cycle look and feel like in a virtual environment? So it's our instructional evaluation. It's ongoing. It's a multi-step process. So let me start with just a high-level overview, and as we talk today, I'll dive deeper and deeper into different aspects of it. So each instructor will participate in just a variety of reflective activities throughout the year, as well as attend targeted professional learning sessions that lead to true growth for each instructor. And so... Our our employees start with a pre-planning 
process where they develop professional learning goals for the school year. And these goals come from the frequent dialogue between both the teacher and the principal that we engage in throughout the school year. So let me ask you a question here. So this is this is important. So in order for it to be targeted professional learning sessions, you have to have a goal or a plan or something that you're actually working on. So that right there separates it from most evaluation frameworks. And even if there is a goal in that, it often doesn't really matter because you just you just go to whatever professional development the school offers. So about that targeted professional learning sessions, what does that actually look like for the teachers? Do they choose their own? Do they go to their own thing? Do you provide that? Do you provide some of that? What does that look like? So the answer to that, all of that is yes. <laughs> we have such a wide variety of what we offer to our teachers. So with our school, we are a very large organization. And so we are a statewide online learning provider and we're considered our own district. So we have a group of uh, professional learning specialists who will offer PD, professional development to teachers that the principals will provide input on and say, hey, I'm seeing a need in this area. Can you put together or find PD that would target this for us? So that's one thing that we do. Other times, I'm just a lifelong learner. I just love connecting with people all over the United States and beyond and looking for the best PD that I can find. And when I find it, I get back to my budget and figure out how I can afford it. And then I offer it to my teacher. So it's really a combination of a lot of things that goes into this. Well, and what I appreciate about that is that you're talking about not just having a goal for each individual teacher, but then having a system that supports each individual teacher in what they individually need. And that is challenging to do, to be sure, but it also seems like that's really the right thing to do because it's really focusing on the needs of of those who are there and not saying we're going to do this training on literacy and everybody has to come to it, even though there's only three literacy teachers and we think literacy is important, so everybody should be there. But then everybody else is like, what am I doing here? How does this matter to me? And then the focus mm-hmm. is just on language arts. It's not on uh, literacy in the different content areas. And so then you have this, this mismatch and people say, well, that PD was completely worthless because I don't teach English. And it was a, a program for English teachers. And therefore, I am completely lost and it was pointless. Right. And that's what I don't want to happen. So I work very hard and try to stay organized to make sure that we've got the best PD for our teachers that really meets their needs. Yeah. Very good. So you've got targeted learning sessions. You make Mm -hmm. a plan at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the year. Okay. Mm -hmm. What else? So that's probably similar to, well, some of the aspects. I remember being a brick and mortar school and still making those learning goals for the school year. Then our instructors also participate in informal and formal observations. So that is similar, but there are some differences that I'll go into here in a little bit. Along with those observations, we also have a pre and a post observation conference with each teacher individually. 
And so during the pre-observation conference, this is when we really help set our teachers up for success and just make sure that each teacher understands the language in our rubric, knows what the rubric is looking for, knows that our rubric is tied to those national standards for quality online teaching, and knows what it is that is really going to have a positive impact on student learning. And then the post-observation conference, that allows for immediate feedback, which is so important to our teachers. So let's let's pause there for a second also. And pre and post-observation and, and relating it back to the standards for quality online learning, mm-hmm. um, as you go through those meetings, those can often also feel like a checkbox. How do you prevent those meetings from being a, here's the standards, here's how you do it, like How do you keep those alive and fresh and so they don't feel like a checkbox meeting? So, well, let me back up just a little bit. I participate in what I call a classroom walkthrough with our teachers. And these are frequent meetings. I meet with each teacher and I I like to use Zoom and that's just my personal preference. I like to have my video on so that they can see my mannerisms, my facial expressions. Uh, I never force a teacher to turn their camera on. I don't even mention it. And over time, as I build relationships with teachers, I notice they all start turning on their cameras too, so that we see it. So this has been a problem, not just in the last year, but in the last 11 years of people turning their videos on. Good, I'm glad to hear that. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. As a little side note, I've been doing the uh, the mastermind with principals for mm-hmm. uh, six years now. Actually, wow, that's pretty crazy, and um, and it's been really cool to see how the same thing has happened there. That in the beginning, people aren't really used to it or or comfortable with it, but as time has gone on, they've been more and more willing as the relationship grows and they gain more trust. And what a what a relevant point for our students as well, that as they trust and know us better, they're more willing to do that. And it becomes less of a fight. And for me, it's always been a thing where I don't even I don't even ask about, it. I don't do anything. We're using a video conferencing tool. So the video option is there. And if you don't want to participate, then that's fine. But um mm-hmm. yeah, there have been times where I've turned off my video because one of my kids came into the room or something, which happens <laughs> and and so then they're like, oh, are you still there? Uh, I can't see you anymore. So I can't tell that you're still listening to me. And that's yes. that's a, a funny little side note. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but go on. 
about no, no, classroom no, that's walkthroughs. Good. I love it. I love it. So yeah, and you know, by turning on these videos and not forcing it, just allowing it to happen organically is also another way that we just model that online presence. And as an online instructor, we need that presence with the students. So again, this is just how I model it with them. And so what I do during these little meetings with teachers, I just bring up the rubric and I say, let's look at this one indicator right here. This is what it says. What is something that you might do to implement into your own classroom that might hit this highly effective or this highest category or this highest rating on the rubric? And so it's really all about just having organic, real conversations with teachers and always tying it back to how this small thing that you're doing right here is going to have a big impact later down the road. And this is how it all ties together. Yeah. Well, that example, I think, was really good of how you said that. You kind of just said it naturally like you probably do. But I just want to pick it apart for a second in that you're not saying you're not in there looking around waiting to see what's going to hit the five or four or whatever on the rubric. You are specifically asking, what do you do that reaches this level? And that is a great question to ask because it gives them the opportunity to say, this is what I do, but also causes them to reflect and think, boy, what do I do that reaches this level? You know what? I actually don't do anything that reaches that level. And if you've built that trust and support, then it seems like that would be an appropriate answer for some of those things. And certainly not everybody is going to be perfect all the time. So there is room for people to have that growth and experience at that time, right? That is so true. And, you know, we all go through these ebbs and flows and we might be highly effective here one year and the next year we may not be highly effective or even the next day. I may not be highly effective in that area, depending on what it is that I'm teaching or what student is right there. So it's it's living and breathing, and it's always learning from what we're doing and working on with teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. That's great. Okay, so you got the pre and post observations. Yes. Uh, you got the yes. classroom walkthroughs. Uh, anything else? In, informal and formal observations. Yep, we've got those two. We do a mid-year evaluation. Now, that's something I personally did not have experience with when I was in the traditional brick-and-mortar setting. So what we do online is it's an internal document for our veteran teachers, but it's just a good checkpoint where we go through, we look at some of the ratings on those informal observations. We look at some of the classroom data, the student learning data, the uh, student achievement data, and we just kind of see where we are at, at the mid-year point. This way, if a teacher has a data point that they're not proud of yet, then we can talk about it. We can talk about what strategies they've already tried to improve that learning point or that data point. And then we can talk about what strategies they could implement to practice on throughout the rest of the year. And it just gives teachers an opportunity to reflect on what they've done for the first half of the school year and then make any changes that they may want to for the second half of the school year. Yeah, I I like that idea of uh, checking in the middle of the year to see mm-hmm. where you're at with your own expectations of yourself. I think that's that's really powerful. Yep. 
And then at the end of the year, we have the end of the year evaluation. And that's where we tie everything together, all of the observation Ratings are averaged together, the student learning data, the student achievement data pieces in there. So all of that gets tied together to create a teacher's end of the year evaluation. And that's our whole cycle as a whole. Okay. So, you know, you've given some really good ways to do things. I think there are a couple little tiny things in there that you do that you probably don't even recognize you do at this point. And that's and that's fine too. Um as as it relates to their professionalism or how they're doing the rest of their work, how much does that play into it? Because, you know, in a, in a traditional school, you can, you can see when teachers arrive, you can see when they leave. And to a certain extent, you can see that online, but, you know, recognizing that you're working online, you know, if they're taking their kid to school and then they're back in time to start class, that may be a little different situation than having to be physically in a building. How do you do those kind of professionalism things that, and are those different, different expectations for your school? What does that look like? Absolutely. I love this question. It is probably my most asked question (laughs) whenever anybody finds out what I do for a living. Everybody wants to know, how do you just monitor that somebody is truly working when they should be? And here's the beauty of it. I don't. Yes. What's important (laughs) is our students learning. And so our metrics are all geared around student performance. So if some teacher were to somehow miraculously figure out how to do this job in 10 hours a week, then they're going to work 10 hours a week and call it a day as long as their students are learning. Now, I haven't seen a teacher pull that off yet, but I'm, you know, exaggerating here. So as far as being a prisoner of time. We don't hold teachers or students to being a prisoner of time. It is all focused on student learning. And so a teacher has a set of tasks that they need to get done in a week. And I don't micromanage. I don't ask them what time they start work. I don't ask them what time they end work. But one of the pieces, one of the tools that we have at our school embedded into our learning management system is a heat map. And it shows us when our students, the majority of our students are working. And so our teachers, part of their training is to look at that heat map once a month, see when their students are working And that's when the teacher should be working because that's when they're going to get the biggest return on their investment. Because if a teacher starts to try to call or engage a student at 9 a.m., but they don't start working until noon because they have a job or they have something else going on, then they're going to be doing double the amount of work because they made an outgoing phone call at 9 a.m. The kid is not going to return their phone call and ask for help until noon And now they're just working harder and not smarter. To answer your question, I don't really monitor it. I look at the larger picture. And if I see that there is a group of students in a teacher's classroom who are not making the learning gains that they should be, then I'm going to talk with that teacher, find out what their current practices are, ask some very specific guiding questions to help them see where they might be able to make a tweak in their routine, 
help them implement a new strategy to try to improve that student learning. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think one of the things that I saw when the pandemic hit was how much people were worried about people working contract hours and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And and it extended to the students as well. And being a prisoner of time, I think, is a great analogy for that because we had... we. Had, Oh, it was so frustrating when we, so we moved from Alaska to Washington and our district said Mm -hmm. kids need to be on zoom. They're using teams, but on zoom from 8 30 AM until 2 30 PM. And as soon as we saw that my wife and I were like, Nope, (laughs) we, we do not need to be any more prisoner to time than we already are. And that is just not Mm -hmm. going to work for us. And it's almost like the, this, I think the school district had good intentions and that they thought Mm -hmm. if we maintain a, a consistent time and say, this is when you need to be there, then that will help everybody feel like this is when school is, which is all well and good when you're in a physical building, but when you're not, then it's different. And, you know, families have different schedules. And that is something that I think probably people like about your school is that they can use their schedules as they need to. And when I was the homeschool principal, when the shutdown happened, it was, it wasn't, we didn't really skip a beat because everything we were doing already was based around the time that kids needed it. So our teacher specialist who worked with the kids didn't come in at eight o'clock in the morning when every other teacher did, because they knew that nobody was going to be up doing work at eight o'clock in the morning (laughs) on homeschool. They weren't going to start until 10. And sometimes they didn't start until four o'clock in the afternoon. And so my yep. teacher specialists were always meeting with kids later in the day and never meeting with kids early in the morning. It was unheard of for a kid to be working that early. We didn't have a heat map, which is awesome, but but we at least knew the kids well enough to know they're not working yeah. at that time. So I appreciate that. And that's that's a freeing thing, I imagine, for you to feel like that's not something that you have to look at, right? That is. It definitely is. And let me just say this too. There are lots of different online models out there right now. And I think it's really important for students to find the model that works with their learning style best and not try to force anything. Um, Because there's different models for different learning styles and also for teachers too. If teachers are looking to get into the online learning, there are lots of different models out there. And I think a teacher needs to find their perfect fit because that's where they're going to excel at best. And Mm -hmm. so what I'm doing, this is where I personally excel. And the teachers that I work with, this is where they excel. But in my experience, I have come across teachers who thought this is what they wanted to do. They tried it out for six months to a year and realized this is not what they enjoy. And they found a different model that they went back to where they're happy again. And that's so important. Yeah. And I think that that is, that's something that we never talk about enough in education. We think that Mm -hmm. being a teacher is being a teacher is being a teacher. And that is just not the case. And once you can realize that, then you can start to find places where you fit better and where it meets Mm -hmm. your needs better. You know, I had a teacher before the pandemic hit where he he was a great teacher, did a lot of cool things with the kids. And then when the pandemic hit, he was, he was lost and was struggling mightily. And thankfully he was able to articulate exactly why. 
And it wasn't because he couldn't teach virtually, but because he got so much energy from standing up in front of a classroom of kids and interacting with them, that that's where he got his worth, his value, his self-esteem. Yep. That's where that's where he like came out of his shell and became the the teacher that he always wanted to be. And he couldn't do that in a virtual environment. It just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And what was so amazing for him to be able to recognize that is that he said, well, I need to be at a school where I can do this all the time. And so he yep. he knew that, that the school he was at was not going to continue to do that for him. He needed to be able to work with kids, found, found a job at an alternative school instead where he could really engage and really work with those kids in a different way. And it was the perfect match for him. And when, when the reference call came and the other principal asked me, I was like, oh, hallelujah, <laughs> you, this is the place. And, <laughs> and when you can say that, and, and I love this guy, yeah. I don't want him to leave my school, but right. when, when he uh, when he found what he wanted, he he could become much better. He excelled in so many more areas when he was in a place where it really worked for him. And that's exactly what you're saying, that you can you can find those things. And, and we just need to be more honest about there are different schools that work better for different people mm-hmm. and it's okay. Yep. And we, sh- we should strive to make sure that we find what's good for us and that we find people that it's good for them also. Exactly. Every teacher has their niche. And once they find their niche and they get into it, that's when the miracles happen. That's when children learn and everybody is happy and moving forward. Yeah, very good. So in closing, Regina, what is one thing that a principal could do this week to be a transformative principal like you, who is not an imposter, but you really are amazing? (laughs) Okay. So if you don't mind, I'm going to give two things. The first one is if you are a leader and you find yourself in the position where you are able to develop your own evaluation cycle for your school, I really want to challenge you to just think outside of the box. Don't try to take that traditional evaluation system and really force it to fit into online learning. So really examine your model that you are offering. Take a look at those national standards for quality online teaching because they are research-based. They really provide a great framework if you are just starting and really you know, use your creativity and really put together a rubric that focuses on best practices for teaching online combined with student learning data so that you can tailor your rubric to meet your needs. So think outside the box. The second one, you brought up mastermind groups, and I just want to really remind leaders to collaborate because while online learning might be new to you, There are plenty of schools out there who have been doing this for 5, 10, 15, 20 or more years. And we are all in this together. And many of us are so happy to help somebody who's just starting out. So really branch out, collaborate with other leaders who are doing this. You can find us on um, LinkedIn or there are lots of mastermind groups out there. If you're not familiar with a mastermind group, I know Jethro mentioned it at the start, but think of it as a professional learning community on steroids for leaders. And that's really going to help you uh, not have that imposter syndrome like I had at the start of this. Yeah. Well, I think those are great suggestions, thinking outside the box and collaborate. And 
Thank you for the plug for masterminds. They really are professional development on steroids. They're so good because you get exactly what you need when you need it. And it just works so well. So Regina, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Hey, middle school principals, what if I told you that all your teachers had to do to teach your students really valuable social and emotional competencies was just press play? In Control SEL is a fully automated video curriculum that teachers and students absolutely love. And that's because it's easy and it looks just like a Netflix or a YouTube show. So all you have to do to hear about how it can completely transform your school is schedule your call. Tell us Jethro sent you and you'll get 20% off if you feel like it's a good fit. So go now to www.incontrolsel.com slash strategy call to schedule your call today. The link will be in the show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.